I want to give you a little bit of backstory uh, before before we get into a whole lot this morning uh, about Jamaica and, and how it came to be, and uh, and just being transparent. But about ten or eleven years ago, we were me and, and Chris Baring and Ken Furtick were were going to do a mission trip, and we didn't know where to go. And I did a Google search, and a organization popped up. We're like, okay, well, let's try to go with them and see how it works. They look safe. They look like they, we would all come back safely and, and nobody will die. And that's typically what I kind of look for in a mission trip. And um, not, not about the, I know we're going to be persecuted, but I don't want to put ourselves in a position to be persecuted. And so we, within a, I guess it's a couple of days, we reached out to the organization. They came back and said, hey, we, we got a pastor that we would like for you to, to meet and work with. And so we, the three of us, flew down to Montego Bay, Jamaica, and met this pastor named Lloyd Richards and his family at a Chinese restaurant. Okay? Can I just, in Jamaica, listen, hear me out. Best Chinese food I've ever had in my entire life, in Jamaica. As we're sitting there having dinner, the pastor begins pouring out his heart of what he wants to see within his church. What, uh, he, he, was, he was young and had a, in Jamaica, they don't just pastor one church as they have a circuit, so they may have three or four churches that they're in charge of. So like this morning, he'll probably preach in one service and then quickly bounce out to the next church to preach the next service and then praying that the deacons and his wife can handle the other two that he has. It's, it's, a, it's a lot that comes down on him. And um, when he shared his heart, I think the three of us knew immediately, it's not that this is just the place, this is the guy. Because we knew that with missions, we wanted to be able to serve a local church, but we really wanted to serve the pastor of that local church. Because if we can help him, and listen, and one of our, our students, and you're going to hear from him here in just a moment, he, he said this, I rephrased it because it was so good, that missions is not about us going somewhere asking what can we do for you. It's what can we do with you? What can we do beside you? How can we, how can we uh, empower? How can we... Um, help you to get towards the vision that God wants you to do? How can we do that alongside of you and with you? Can I tell you that even this week, one of the coolest things was watching people that were members of that church serve alongside of us. I've been on a lot of mission trips where we come in and it's like, hey, this is what we're going to do and we're going to do all these things. I read a story about an a, a organization that was in Africa and they said that these mission teams were coming over constantly and they would ask, hey, we're going to come, we want to paint. And, and you can imagine like tons of paintbrushes in the hands of teenagers, right? And they said that they would paint, and every group that would come in wanted to paint, and so they would just keep painting, and what we would do is when they would leave, we would throw dirt and stuff on the wall to mess it up so the next team didn't feel so bad coming in painting. He said, really, what we needed was not paint. We needed somebody to sit down and mentor our leaders in our church. We needed somebody to teach them some microeconomics so they can have jobs, but nobody ever asked, what can we do with you? How can we be of service to you? And that's always been our mindset. And so that, that night in that restaurant, hearing the pastor's heart was, okay, this is, this is what it is. This, this is where we have been called to. And for a few years, we, we served faithfully in that area, in the area of Belmont. That was just outside of Montego Bay and um, got built friendships. And, and then along the way, um, it, it, was, it was cut off. It was done. Like the relationship was still there, but the trips were no longer happening. And and there was this, this discontentment, I guess, in, in our hearts that we, we felt like this is the place. We felt like this was that it was not by circumstance that we 
Google search, it's not by circumstance that we meet. This pastor is not by circumstance that three of us felt the same way about what it is, and it was not by circumstance of the ministry that we saw happening in that church. And three years ago, when we started together, I, um, Ken Furtick called me, and we met in a Mexican restaurant. You notice that God tends to work in restaurants. I think he works more in Chinese than Mexican, but we'll take it, whatever. And we were talking, and Ken said, you know, what about Jamaica? And my response was like, well, when we're going? When are we going to do it? And last year, Ken and Kathy, they, they were the only two from our church that went. They scouted it out. They got it ready. And, um, and we met multiple times with the pastor that his church has moved. He's got, he's, he started his new church the same time that we started our new church. And, um, and he's in a new location. And, and we were able to meet with him multiple times through Zoom. And his vision has not changed. It is still to evangelize and still to gospel um, the guy has gotten on Zoom all of a sudden. He's doing calls. He had 20, this was probably the biggest miracle I saw in Jamaica. Um, he had 24 people on a Zoom call and not one internet glitch. But yet we had a very difficult time trying to Zoom anything from here without a glitch. And we were all rejuvenated that this is, this is where it's at. So we're not in Jamaica because it's a cool destination spot. We're not in Jamaica because we need to serve somewhere. We're in Jamaica because the Lord put us in that place 10 years ago. And he reestablished and rekindled that relationship three years ago to continue moving forward into making the investment in that church. They are just our family. I think we've even said that we're going to stop calling it our mission trip to Jamaica. It's just our family reunion. Like we're going to go see our family and we're going to serve ministry with them in the community that they live in. And we're even wanting to bring them, bring them here because they said this, and this is what's really cool. Um, last week, we were able to serve with them. And then next week, they're going on a mission trip in Jamaica to go serve somebody else. Isn't that the way it's supposed to be? They're not just going here. Here's, I'll take the handout. They're taking a handout and then taking a handout somewhere else and handing it out to somebody else. Because they understand blessing. We get to give. We get to give. So our goal now is we're praying that we're going to bring them here to Monk's Corner to come see their extended family. And we're going to eventually serve together here. So, um, yeah, so if you have a house you want to offer up for somebody living and cook, can cook good food, let's do it. So all that to say, that's why we're in Jamaica. We have a heart for it. Does that mean, we'll, you know, the question would be, will there ever be another place that we'll serve? Absolutely, we will. Uh, we'll, pray, we'll pray through it. We'll make sure that it's the right fit for what we need to do and it's the right organization or right people. But right now, where, where our hearts align is, is here in the country of Jamaica. Now, I want you to hear, because one of the coolest things about the trip was we had a lot of um, students go. And I love when, when students go on mission trips. I was telling them the story. I was 21 or 22 when I went on my first mission trip, and it was to Miami, Florida. Um, and it was a bus ride from Greenville, South Carolina, with a bunch of middle schoolers, to Miami nonstop. I don't believe in purgatory. But that made me question some theological things that I had. It even made me question youth ministry altogether. But, you know, some of them got saved, and that was good. Even I got saved five times on that trip. So, but our students were able to go, and they were able to pour out. And, um, and, and by the way, when our students go on mission trips and we see them serving, can I just tell you this? This is a direct reflection of the ministry and the leadership that we have in our youth ministry. You can clap right there, because that's really the investment that's happening. So... Um, 
parachute of man. Isaiah does. Isaiah, this was his first mission trip ever, international. And Isaiah was able to go with his mom. And he texted me yesterday and said, I want to share a little bit about what God did. So, Isaiah, would you share about what, you know, tell us about Jamaica. Tell us about what you experienced, what you learned. So, I was going through a lot throughout this past year, and that challenged God for me. So, whenever I originally wanted to go to Jamaica, I was thinking, like Pastor Robbie said, this is to go help others. Maybe it'll maybe help me a little bit but it changed my whole perspective on how God works because even the first day that I got there, it was um, we sleep, then we go to church, and church was four hours long. <laughs> but, I mean, the first 30 minutes of it was, uh, it was, uh, just it it changed how I was looking at the trip because they were talking about how um, we were talking about Peter and Silas and how they were stuck in the church and it's just a little you know Bible school thing and then it really changed me because it told me to it God told me to wait that I should wait for others and that I should wait for him to enact on me. And at first, that's like, oh, cool. And then it hits you harder and harder and harder every single time because you realize, nope, I got to wait now. Nope, I have to wait now. And it, yeah, it, it made me think about my principle on that. Um, and then the way we enacted with the kids and the way that the pastor enacted with them, the way they were so happy all the time. We would give them a couple soccer balls and uh, football and bubbles, and they were happy for hours. They would just sit at the church and kick around and play with bubbles. And we go, oh, the new iPhone came out. I want that. And spend way too much money on just whatever, when we could go donate like an hour of our time and to go help somebody else, even just in the community, even if it's just for 15 minutes to go kick and play with the ball with the guy next door or talk to the guy who ha has been sitting there every day for the past whoever knows long. Maybe we should just change, and instead of looking at us, we should change and look at um, helping somebody else and I think I'm going to start really putting that in, into my life more it was life changing for me and I can, I can tell you he's serious because this poor guy when I got there Tuesday he was kind of like oh, it wasn't feeling too hot and then Wednesday it, whatever it was just hit you and you were laying on the floor on a, it was so hot and they have tile floors, and he's just like sprawled out on the tile floor, just wanting to be, be better. And I think you were more sick to your stomach about not being able to be out with everybody else serving than you were laying on that floor. And then I was thinking, man, I'm jet lagged. I'd love to be on that floor. But 
but I can tell you that this, this is a, um, I got to see it. Even though I didn't watch him serve, I watched him agonize not being able to serve. And so thank you for going, man. We appreciate you. We love you. Thank you. I'm proud of you. Thank you. And, uh, and that was probably one of the coolest pieces is watching our, our families, like moms and sons and dads and sons and dads and daughter being able to serve and, and do missions. Um, so we're going we're gonna to do a little Q&A, and uh, I've got Miss um, Tracy Flowers and Lachelle, you guys can come on up, and Chris Bearing and Miss Kathy Jones. If you guys want to come up, we got you a hot seat, and um, I don't, it's not really a hot seat, but y'all don't know the question's coming, so I guess it is a hot seat for you. Um, but these are all going to be good, I hope. One thing we're learning, trying to teach our guys, is to help our ladies. <laughs> Y'all still tired? Just a little bit. Tracy called me yesterday and said, I'm trying to upload photos. I don't know if it's jet lag or if I'm not doing something right. And it was that I didn't do something right. So it was all good. Um, well, we, we started talking about this trip about a year ago. Chris decided two weeks ago he was going to go. Last minute. You talking about last minute. He asked me to park. He came in the parking lot of church one day and they had gone to eat. And, and I was getting in my car and he said, is it too late to go to Jamaica? I said, I don't, I don't think so. Uh, you have to talk to Ken, and, uh, and then Ken texts me like probably an hour later, like, well, Chris brought tickets, he got tickets, plane tickets, so we're going to figure it out, we're going to find out how this is going to work, but you were determined it didn't matter, like if, it, if you were sleeping in a tent outside, it was, it was good, because uh, you had Jonathan with you, and you were going to throw him to any danger that was happening anyway, <laughs> so I, I wanted to ask a, a couple of questions, but before I do that, um, I love your shirt, by the way, that is the Jamaican attitude, Absolutely. just do it later, <laughs> do it later in Jamaica. Um, before, before we start, this has been in my heart all weekend. I need you to teach everybody the phrase that you learned. She picked up the language very quickly. Could you hold this mic and tell us your new phrase that you're going to use in your classroom? Okay, so I am going to direct this statement to Ms. Kathy Ollick, who is my uh, administrator, the person I report to. And I had an opportunity to work with the little, little people, which is so not my area. And there were three little fellas who had the most robust personalities that I have ever seen. So we were talking about, you know, being fishers of men, and I had them draw a little fish. And one of them took the crayon from the other one, and he looked at him, he said, me boxing your back now. <laughs> and we have been saying that the entire trip. It was just the look on his face. He was so serious and so sincere and so loud. And he was about this high. <laughs> and so I just want you to know, Miss Ollie, when you hear that, this year, it's just a joke, okay? I'm not going to box anybody in the back now. What so it translates to is I'm going to punch you right in your back. That's what it translates <laughs> yeah. to. But while you have the mic, let me, let me ask you this question in all seriousness. So you had a, a very unique opportunity because you got to go with your son, Austin. How was it seeing missions, like you're experiencing all this for the first time. So there's a lot of emotions, there's a lot of things. And I think she's got about every phone number from every person in Jamaica. She made friends. I mean... This is our new contact in Jamaica. She knows everybody. So you're trying to take all this stuff in, 
and then you're watching your son out there, how was it seeing missions through the eyes of your child? Well, one of the first things that I can say, and um, if anybody knows this, it's Amy and Doug Reikley when it comes to me. This is definitely my mantra. Just do it later. <laughs> and if you know Amy, she's, and so she stays on me about getting stuff done, but I love that because it provides me with an opportunity to just really see structure. And so this week when we went out and I was able to see Austin interact with the other kids, Austin is an only child and he's not really an outdoor kid unless he has people that he's playing with. I think Austin spent more time outside this week than he has since he's been six years old. He played soccer and he was the goalie and he was out there for, I had to call him in to eat. I had to call him in to do different things. And so for him to have that experience was just mind blowing for him because he has opportunities to play with his cousins, but to go out amongst strangers and just to make friends. And one of the things that Ken brought to my attention was even when they weren't out playing sports, they were just sitting on the wall just talking. Mm -hmm. And you would have thought that it was him and Dora and Isaiah and Lucas, but these were these Jamaican friends that he made within about 48 hours. God only knows what they were talking about, but they had a wonderful time. And for me to see that as a parent and to know that just a year ago, none of this was even on our agenda and to see how much of a leader he's become by being here and working with the Densons and just being a part of the Together family and the St. John family, mm. it's priceless. It is truly priceless and I just, I am forever grateful, forever mm. grateful. And I have to throw this plug in for Carmen. Mr. Chris was our resident encyclopedia the entire time we were over there, so. He even yeah. found a castle. We'll have to tell you about that later. Lachelle, <laughs> I mean, this is your first trip with us. What was something that was that you didn't expect? Like you get on this trip, you kind of, you know, we all go on mission trips, kind of think we know what's going to happen, and then we get hit with something that's completely different. We, we experience something different. What was it for you? Um, for me, it was pretty much the connection we had as a team. You know, most of the times we, this is my first uh, mission trip, as he stated, but just as a team, we worked together. Nothing was done apart. Nothing was done separately. And I have to give a shout out to Mr. Ken because he was so organized. He's a serious man, but he was so organized. And also, it was to the point where when it came down to anything, as I state, the organization skills he have and how he just um, basically, I ended back up with the babies, but to be with the babies and still watch Isaiah, Jonathan, um, Emery, and also Austin, those aren't my children but to watch them and observe them. And just to even look at Isaiah stand up here 
that was the most touching moments of just watching these children sit up there and, and, and form a connection. And I think that was the biggest thing for me, just to seeing these children get out there, put themselves out there. Everybody connected to Johnny, Jonathan, everybody. So it was like, um, that was the biggest thing for me because as stated, you don't hardly see kids outside. You don't hardly see um, them just wanting to interact the way they do. So just to see that moment of from being there from 10 to 8 p.m., they were still out there trying to work together with these children. And as he stated with Isaiah, I felt sorry for Isaiah because now that the girls there was telling me that I'm a grandma, they asked me, was Jessica my daughter? So being that Jessica is my daughter, Isaiah is my son, I felt sorry for him laying on that floor, but once he got up, that's where he wanted to be, and he showed that's where he wanted to be. So as he stated, this mission, is it was a purpose for everyone. Someone gained some knowledge for themselves that was presented, and maybe not to testify about it, but it was shown. So when he presented his testimony, parents, I hope you're listening, because that's a true testimony right there that he acknowledged the difference in just looking at the electronics and, and giving, wanting to give more time. So to me, that was a major blessing. And I think every time I turned around, you had a child in your arms, a child on your hand, and she was just using, that's her gift. She's like, well, I guess this is what I'm here for. So she's just loving on all the kids, and they love, yeah, love Miss Lachelle. Well, Kathy, you, you've been to Jim Macon so many times. At this point, you could probably get a dual citizenship, I would imagine. You and Ken and, and uh, Chris is well on the way to dual citizenship. Um, you've witnessed a lot over the years. And uh, you, you've been on the unique side to be able to be a part of the Belmont, which was our first mission, and then be a part of uh, Monique, right? Monique. I, I, quite, I hesitate when I call it Monique because it looks like uh, Montague and when they ask you, the customs agents in Jamaica ask where you're stay, staying and you say Montague and they look at you because you don't know how to pronounce the place that you're staying. Um, not stuff you want to do with Jamaican government. But um, <laughs> you've, been, you've been on so many trips and have experienced so much and that, that's your heart. Jamaica is your heart. How, how do you respond if people say things like, oh, it's so nice, Kathy, that you're going to Jamaica and you're serving the less fortunate. How's that? How do you respond to something like that? Well, I'm going to take us back a year before Robbie actually started talking about our trips. The very first year that we went to Jamaica, uh, we weren't at Belmont. We actually went way up yeah. in the mountains of Jamaica. Um, horrible poverty, you know, just worst you've ever seen. And immediately, in my mind, I'm thinking, oh my goodness, how will we fix these people? You know, well, there's no way we can do enough for them to fix them. And it was within hours of realizing we're not here to fix anybody. We're here to love on them and serve them and do what we're called to do. Um, and, you know, to work along beside them like Robbie was talking earlier. 
And you know, every year I've seen that more and more. We'll be asked to do things like paint a house, and I use that term very loosely. Uh, one year we were asked to paint a woman's house, and when we got there, y'all, it was horrible. Just a, you know, tin and boards that didn't go together. It was not a house. And we just stood there looking at it, like, well, she wants it painted, we're gonna paint it. And her gratitude when we finished, y'all, it was like we had given her $10 million. Mm -hmm. And so you, you start realizing right away, it's not what we, you know, our purpose in going there may not always be God's purpose. He's gone before us and he's got a plan. And no matter what we're called to do, we just have to do it. We have to be obedient. And it was said during the course of this week, um, we got some, I saw something on social media and somebody thanked us for helping the less fortunate. And that really hit me the wrong way. <laughs> I was like, they, you know, they have a much simpler lifestyle than we do. They have struggles just like we do. But y'all, they are filled with joy. They are the happiest people. They are the most gracious people. And they love the Lord. And so we don't go there to fix them. We don't go there to change their lifestyle. We go there in obedience to love on them and to serve alongside them with whatever we're asked to do. Yeah, and, and you may have made a comment like that before, and don't hear judgment in that if you've said something like, oh, you're going to serve the less fortunate. You just don't know. You don't know. Um, I, I told them we were sitting on, on the rooftop overlooking the airport uh, Thursday night, and we were having this conversation about that statement. And I was like, what, what they got to see, and I got to see, was literally the Sermon on the Mount through these people. When Jesus said that you'll be blessed, blessed are the poor in spirit. Well, they understood the blessing in that. They understood the blessing in the meek. They, it was like, man, this sermon's being preached right back to me through these people just within a day. And, um, and it's not often you get to, to truly witness that, but that's... That's where it is. And so when, when we make statements on missions and serving, um, we always want to put it in a biblical perspective and not just that, yeah, there's some people that got some help, and yes, we, we were able to do some things, and we bought a goat for somebody. I really don't know if that was the greatest of gifts, but we gave somebody a goat. We gave them chickens um, to help them start microeconomics to have food, to be able to sell food. But, you know, at the end of the day, if we don't share Jesus, because that's the real need, and if we don't share Jesus, then they just go to hell with goats and food, right? And so we're there to proclaim the gospel message. We'll use these other avenues of vacation Bible school and goats and chickens and whatever, whatever we can find to use, um, talents, whether it's holding the, the hand of a child or carrying a child constantly so that mother can have a breather for a minute and hear what the pastor is saying. It is so, it's so important with the little things of how God works and uses just our little bit of obedience like we'll just say all right whatever you need me to do i have this gifting and i'm going to use this gifting she miss tracy has a gifting towards um just older kids like middle school teenagers and i probably needed you on the bus that day to a trip to miami and you could tell them you're gonna bust them in the back but and miss lachelle's heart towards kids and, and watching you just like mother Teresa with them and serving them and and leading them and, and talking to their parents and Kathy with your sewing and 
um, one of the girls texted you and said that she's getting a sewing machine for her birthday thanks to Miss Kathy, and she's going to learn how to sew, and that's going to help her make money. She's going to be able to have a job to provide. And then Chris and Jonathan using music skills of playing guitar and worship leaders, like they sat down with one kid and taught him a few chords, and now he's going to end up being the next worship leader. Why don't you tell us, Chris, a little bit about worship, because you've been on worship teams before. Um, there's a night and day difference between being on the Jamaican worship team and being in an American worship team. Tell us a little bit about your experiences with, with just worship in a hole in Jamaica. You know, I grew up in the Catholic Church, and um, in the Catholic Church, it, we, were, we were not demonstrative, and um, we were, I was instructed to be very still, um, and had transitioned into, through, um, through my, my wife, my wife's grandmother was very concerned about us, us getting married because I was, I was Catholic, and, but she, she moved me into the Baptist church. But even in the Baptist church, we were not demonstrative. Uh, we were not, we weren't open to, to being, um, to following the spirit in worship. And I'd played music in those settings and have had the opportunity to play in, to play in the Catholic church and uh, then play in the Baptist church and, and have, have moved, moved into more demonstrative worship settings and had the opportunity to, to work on worship teams with Robbie and, and Parrish and, you know, but I'll tell you, we are so cluttered in our lives mm -hmm. in the United States. We've got so many things that are in between us and, uh, and God. And, uh, and if you truly want to worship, you've got to get all that out of the way. And, you know, they do. They, they get it out of the way. And, you know, it's funny. We, we are way there. So Ken called, and he's like, all right, so we, you know, I'm glad you're going. You know, you're gonna, we're going to need you to help with the, the music. And I said, okay, you know, Jonathan can play keyboards. I can play, I can play guitar a little bit. I really prefer the keyboards. But uh, then Ken said, well, I'm going to need you to lead the songs. And I said, well, Ken, <laughs> I, I'm not a singer. And, uh, I mean, I can sing congregationally, but y'all don't want the mic in front of me to, to lead, you know, you know, I, I, you know Parrish, Parrish the guy you want the mic, okay, so, or Robbie. But I said, I've got this feeling, Ken, that there's a, there's a singer within our midst and our team, and on the bus on the way, I'll tell you, uh, Tracy stepped up, and um, we, we, we've got a singer here and a, and a leader. But we practiced, and we had church, and, you know, they said it was four hours, and it was, it was four hours, um, and the worship was amazing. You know, Isaiah talked about those first 30 minutes. It was very evident very quickly that we were in a, in a, in a worship setting where the spirit was present and that if you would be open to that, um, you, would have, you would have worship uh, with God as it's intended. And church was great. But on Tuesday night, we had what they call a street meeting. And a street meeting is exactly that. You are literally standing in the street. The pastor on many occasions grabbed us. Deacon Riley grabbed us. Different members of the community would pull us out of the street to avoid being run over by a car. 
we were on a blind curve holding a worship service. This, the Jamaicans are far better drivers than we are in the United States. Do not stand on a blind curve in Berkeley County and hold <laughs> worship unless you are ready to see the Lord that day. But earlier in the day, uh, a beautiful woman there who leads worship in the church, Michelle, um, I asked her, I said, well, Michelle, you know, what songs, what songs are we going to, you know, be singing tonight? Do we want to practice? And she laughed at me. And she said, oh, it's not like that. And I didn't really, I didn't really get it. And I've, I've been to, to Jamaica a number of times, but I hadn't been at that level from an organizational standpoint um, with the person who was leading the, the, um, the time. But they were led by the Spirit as to generally what songs the pastor would turn around and say, this, you know, this is what we're doing. Um, but it was a powerful, a powerful time, and it's very humbling to see that. Um, on other trips that we've, that we've been on, though, I'll, I'll share with you that there have been more musicians. And this community, and this is the first time we've been in this community, this community didn't seem to have the musicians. Um, I mean, and think about how it would be if we came to worship and, and we didn't have the musicians in front of us. We didn't, didn't have that. Um, and, and I will tell you, that was a burden for me. Um, and there was a young man, Jonathan started, I, I'm really not a guitarist, but I know a couple of chords and I can kind of show you how to strum. So I'd work with kids with guitars. But Jonathan... On many occasions, I look over and their children, they're like climbing over Jonathan's back and he's teaching them chords. And they were hungry. I mean, they were hungry. They wanted to, they wanted to learn and they had a, a reason. And there was a, a, a young man, Orondo, and, um, you know, guys, we're there for like an hour or two on Monday afternoon doing this. Not even that amount of time on Tuesday, but on Wednesday, um, he was playing What a Mighty God We Serve, like playing it. And I ran outside and I got the pastor and I got his wife uh, and I couldn't wait for him to, to be able to do that. I didn't, want the, I didn't want Orondo to see the pastor standing behind him. But they don't have anything in between them so they, you know, they, they taught me this week, and um, I, I think they, they taught Jonathan, um, and um, God blessed me with the opportunity to be there, and um, it was an honor to be able to, to be with every member of the team, and I can't imagine this, this trip with, with anybody on the team not being there. Um, can I say one more thing about the team? Our team expanded. And you know, talk about God putting you in places and putting people, you know, we leave so much out there and we just say it's chance. I think we, we, we don't give God credit for the people and the places that, uh, that he puts uh, before mm -hmm. us. But as it relates to our team, we didn't know who our bus drivers were going to be. Our bus drivers, by the end of the trip, um, Rajay, one of our bus drivers, he's out there working with us at Bible school. The night before, he sat down and ate dinner with us. Um, 
And then it really kind of came together. We were eating breakfast. We were, our trip's done. We're, you know, we're trying to get back to the airport. But there was a, this lady, we went to this restaurant, and Brian, who is kind of the organizer, uh, uh, and he's, we, I call him Jamaica Brian, but anyway, uh, he's from Ohio, like about 75% uh, of the people in South Carolina right now. But um, <laughs> anyway, Brian jokingly said to the, to the hostess, would you lead us in prayer? And she immediately, she was ready. And she said, well, I'm not going to pray. We're going to wait for everybody to get their food. So I thought, well, okay, she's got control of this. And she prayed a prayer over us like she knew everything that we had done that week. And not only did she do that, then at the end of our meal, she had a devotion with us. And I thought, she was supposed to be here. She's part of our team. And there were so many people like that, our cook. Um, but thank you for the opportunity to be able to go. Ken, you did, a, you did an amazing job organizing it. Um, and if we can get the clutter in between us and God out of the way, I think we might be able to truly worship. Yeah, I was wondering what happens if we go to Waffle House today and we try that. I don't know. I don't know. It might work. I, I think one of the, when we talk about worship, I was in Haiti years ago and um, watching watching people that have nothing but full dependence on God just worship. And this thought came to me is that I think it's the same thing in Jamaica that it is in Haiti. In America, we rely on God. In Haiti, they depend on him. In Jamaica, they depend on him. And it's that dependency, because that's the poor in spirit. It's that dependency that drives that worship, that says, okay, he is king. He is provider. He is God. That's who I will worship. Think about Jesus talking to the Pharisees. He makes this very interesting comment to the Pharisees. He always has the harshest words for Pharisees. And he says, you stiff-necked people. And I've always looked at that as uh, people that, you know, look at me. It's not what Jesus was talking about. He said, you stiff-necked people. You live among all these idols that have stiff necks. You look just like the idols that you worship. And Jesus is telling them, you stiff-necked people, you are just reflecting the culture around you. And as long as you're stiff-necked, you'll never see God at work around you. And that's, that's what a missionary is. A missionary is a spiritual tour guide pointing out where God is at work and joining him in that place. I was captivated on the way home on our, on our first leg of flight, and flying was a whole different mission to get there. I don't know if you've had flights canceled. Like you get up at 4 in the morning, you get ready, and you get the text that your flight now goes out not at 6, but at 12 o'clock in the afternoon, you're thinking, hmm, i got 30 minutes to get from one gate to the next gate. What do I do? I text the prayer team and ask them to start praying that I don't miss my flight. And let me just tell you, our prayer team is really close to Jesus. Not only did I not, when I plane landed, I had five minutes to get from point A to point B. Have y'all ever tried to get off a plane in five minutes and get to the next gate? I have. That plane was delayed. The next flight got delayed. Not by chance. I think our prayer team stopped it. And I, so if anybody was mad, I just told them Gretchen Marker and her friends on the prayer team caused that delay of flight. But it's interesting because, you know, we, God's calling us to do the same thing here. Like, uh, my, my, 
my thought was from, I, I just immediately went, and if you got the email, I sent this email out, but it immediately went to Acts chapter 17 with Paul. And he goes to Athens and he's looking. It's the same problem. The people are, are stiff-necked. They're looking at all the idols they're worshiping. But Paul is troubled in his spirit. And he goes and he begins having these conversations with the people. And pointing out and sharing this unknown God that they had no idea who he was. And some didn't listen. But I love this part of the verse. It says that many believed because of sharing the gospel. Salvation comes through hearing. And to hear, we need to speak. So you can go a thousand miles away and serve on a mission field to people you've never seen before. But you can also walk next door and serve your neighbor. You, many of you, and a lot of you, and I told the team this, is that I was overwhelmed at the support of our church towards this trip from full scholarships being paid. We've had many conversations with the team of like, well, I want to go, but I don't know how it's going to work out financially. And I told you, I texted you and said, it's God's will, it's God's will, right? God calls you to go, he takes care of it. God take care of it. Thank you very much. Um, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He didn't call us to do the worrying. He actually called us not to do that. He just told us to be obedient and step into that faith. He'll take care of what needs to be taken care of. And I am so glad that for those that gave, that we were able to help people go, there are relationships that not just been built for a week. There are eternal relationships that have been built. And we're going back to the same place next year and the next year. And the next year, and hopefully we go two, three, four, five, six. We go trip a month. I think you, you're fine with that. You said you would go trip a month. Because we just, the gospel is not stagnant. Missions is always a movement. The question is, are we going to sit stagnant? Or are we going to move with where Jesus is going and who he's leading us to? And that starts right here in our own backyards, in our own homes. Um, other, I mean, the, the trip was was incredible. I mean, it was worth every second. It was you, new experiences, new foods. Um, I mean, you came up with something I didn't even know, like jerk chicken french fries. Great. So she called her, she's friends with the Caribbean Delight guy down here, and he's going to be putting some stuff on his menu, thanks to his flowers. And, and, and chicken foot soup. That'll be at the next potluck, I heard. It's literally soup with the chicken foot in it. It's as bad as you think it is in thought. Uh, salt, you had salt fish for breakfast. Nope. Um, we, we just, so the food was, we had great food. We got to live in the culture with the people and, um, and just really get to know them. I, I, so we got just a minute. In 30 seconds, why should somebody consider going to Jamaica or on a mission trip? Yeah, we'll just work our way down. 30 seconds, why should somebody consider going on missions? At the end of Bible school, um, there were a lot of hands that went up, and um, I got to stand with a young man and made a decision for Christ. That's why you ought to go to. That's why you ought to go to Jamaica. What about you, Kathy? Yeah, we can sit here and tell you tons of stories about what we did and what it's like, and we can show you a bazillion pictures that we took. But until you go there and experience it for yourself and the bond that you can form with the people on your team that we'll never lose and the bond that you can form with the people there knowing that you are forming those bonds in God's kingdom. 
it, it, it is truly something that you have to go and experience. So do it. I think you all should go because it will help you find your purpose. Because again, like I said, the connection you build with the team, going to, this, to another country and serving a mission, it will help you define who you are. I learned something about being steadfast and immovable, um, always abounding in the love of God. And on our movie nights, while we were sitting down watching the movie, about five rat bats descended from the rafters and began circling. It's a move of the spirit. Just circling. And uh, I looked up and, you know, Chris and I had our dialogue about what they were. And I tapped Austin on the shoulder. I said, come on, sweetie. So we got our chairs and we went and sat on the porch. And we were steadfast and immovable on that porch while everyone else enjoyed the bats. And we watched the movie from outside. I say that to say, even in that experience, there was nothing that was going to separate me from my family at that moment. And we all have families here. And I can tell you that when we drove away from the pastor and his wife and his children, I cried for the first 20 minutes because I truly felt like I had been visiting my sister and my brother and I was on my way home. And it was just such an amazing feeling knowing that I had the same God in Jamaica that I have in Monk's Corner. That's why you should go. And we'll, we're going to have hopefully some dates here very soon to give you an opportunity to be able to go on missions. But before you even sign up to do that, just simply ask, where is it that you can serve right now? Like, where can you go? Um, you know, some missions can start just by going and saying, yeah, I'm, and this is not like a make you feel bad. This is just one plan. But part of it can just be like, yeah, I'm going to help serve in the kids area next week. Yeah, I'm going to help consistently serve once a month in kids. Or I'm going to go volunteer on Tuesday nights and help serve. That's a mission. Yeah, I'm going to go commit to praying for my neighbor every single day and asking them, how can I help you? What is, what's going on? I'm going to, you know, whatever it may be. What is your first step towards missions? Because it may not be Jamaica yet. It may just be something very small. But we all have that first step that we need to take before we board a plane and go thousands of miles away because let me just tell you I've been I've been around the game a long time in ministry and I've, I've done mission trips with other churches and other people I've never met it's really easy to look like Jesus for seven days on an international trip the catch is looking like Jesus every single day here at home and taking your overflow over there to partner with what he's doing there and so we would love for you to, to be a part of it I want to say thank you they would say thank you um, and are saying thank you for supporting them, praying for them, financially supporting, paying for baggage, um, just everything. Because I can just tell you, we can sit up here for hours on end and just tell you all the things that God has done, um, and there just wouldn't be enough time for it. So uh, they would love to go have coffee with you, invite them to coffee. If you want to talk more about Jamaica, y'all go to Caribbean Delight and have some salt fish and chicken foot soup and, and discuss the goodness of God. Um, but I just I want to say thank you guys, too, for serving and being a part of the trip. And, um, and, and I would like to personally just make an apology. Um, I made a post. I didn't, I'm not the one that posted about um, Kathy's thing. She wasn't mad at me. But I was posting some pictures in bulk, and I posted one of our team handing bags to people. And 
one of our board members called it and texted me and I said so if you notice there was a post on Instagram that quickly got deleted because I couldn't figure out how to delete pictures and then I figured it out on Facebook but uh, I apologize for that and here's why I apologize because we're not over there going look at us giving people food that's not a, that was the biggest meme of 2020 if y'all saw it um, we shared pictures that were um, we wanted to share pictures to give you an experience to what was happening um, but we're not going to be the church that, that flashes us handing out bags to people or holding big checks. Uh, I, I'm, very, I'm very stern on the fact that when Jesus said, don't let the left hand know what the right hand is doing, we'll celebrate those things internally with you, but we're not going to do that to the world of going, hey, look what we did, because at the end of the day, if that's it, the whole trip was a wash. It was a waste. It's all about Jesus. So I want to apologize to you as, as your pastor and your friend. That I, those pictures went out, complete accident, pulled them down, but I wanted you to understand the reason. If you're like, that's weird, my Instagram mess up? Nope, nope, just trying to make things right. So that's where we are. Um, it's 11.15. Here's what we're going to do. I just want to pray and close out today in prayer, okay? Uh, if you want to sing, um, you can sing on the way out the door, and I'll give you a couple of songs. That's what the Haitians do. But I want to I pray for you and... Um, and if you, if you want to help in kids, if you want to serve and say, hey, I, I want to start serving in the church missions, I want to come up with some ideas on how I can do things outside the church, come see me. Come see our welcome team, our children's team. We'd love to help you get connected with that. Um, and as we close, I, I want to, one more thing that's real Jamaican. Could you hold this for me? Every time I was with the pastor, it didn't matter if we were visiting in somebody's home. It didn't matter when we were on a Zoom call. We always close with Ephesians 3.20. And uh, I want to, as we pray, I want to pray Ephesians 3.20 over us as a church as we dismiss today. So if you'd bow your heads and, and let's pray this. is that Now to him who was able to do far more abundantly than all that we could ever ask or even think, according to the power at work that is within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. And the whole church said, Amen. Amen.